say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, everybody? Welcome to That's Not Metal, where we handle all of your rock and metal listening needs every Friday. I'm Perrin Hayish, and I'm joined, as ever, by Sam Dignon and Alec Chillingworth. How are we doing, my friends? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It's been a tiring week at work, but I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, mate, I've just uh, got, got big lizard and big monkey on the brain uh, <laughs> ever, since, uh, ever since Tuesday night, yeah. I think that's me most of the time. If anything, I kind of got out of my system. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went into an actual city centre this week for the first time since about Christmas. <laughs> like, I bought some records, had some nice pasta. I was living, let me tell you. So I'm it's saving been quite that good because that's that's me every day in terms of work. But at some point, I'm going to go and just do some of that myself. <laughs> yeah, today we've not got an album club because we are in an absolute glut of a release season, and we have got four big releases to talk about today that I think will take us up quite nicely in terms of runtime. I am, of course, talking about Greta Van Fleet, The Offspring, Bodom After Midnight, and The Armed when it comes to what we are reviewing and talking about today, a mixed bag. We start with news, uh, and we're going to start off news with doing something that we occasionally just do. It's not so much news, more just discussing something that happened. Uh, Alec, you and I watched the Weezer live stream of them playing uh, the OK Human stuff and more with an orchestra at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. It was a good time, wasn't it? What do you think of it? It was a very good time, wasn't it? Uh, did you watch it uh, like with headphones or like a kind of any kind of like sound system thing? No, I didn't because I had it on my TV, but it did sound like I could tell even with that that it sounded great. Yeah, no. I, was, I- I didn't watch it, but I, mean, I saw people talking about how incredible it sounded. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I was listening to it on my big headphones and it it sounded incredible. Like it was just mixed so, so, so well. Yeah, like like Weezer's, I guess, you know, compressed radio sound these days. Sometimes it can be very produced. But this was so like organic and real sounding how you would really want them with the orchestra to sound. Um, obviously, the OK Human stuff like really thrived there. Like, you know, playing my piano and uh and numbers was beautiful i bet you were stoked on that yeah i mean, playing my piano oh, so good i i loved um he uh rivers came on he had a lyric book and it was bound to look it looked like the book that eats things in harry potter um <laughs> but like when when he was sat at the piano and like he wasn't doing anything you could see him he was either like waving his fists or like sitting on his hands because it's like he's so used to having like a, a a guitar i guess like it was he just looked like yeah. a kid who was gonna wee himself <laughs> I reckon he should have just been the conductor of the orchestra as well. Do you remember that um, that TV game show where they got like a bunch of celebrities to like learn how to be a an orchestra conductor that they ran for like one series? No, uh, this it, is, I was going to say I have no <laughs> clue what it is. It was a very long time ago. I was reminded of it when walk uh, when watching this thing. I was like, Rufus Cuomo should go on that and just 
add another string to his bow. But yeah, it was really good. Uh, and then, you know, the, the kind of um, the encore, I guess, of other stuff at the end. Like, genuinely, no meme, the orchestral version of Africa was fucking great. Yeah. Like, that was genuinely amazing. It sounded so incredible. Yeah, like how it's gone from a meme to this, like, grand, epic, swelling, <laughs> like, almost like a set like a set list highlight like the the like the naff fluty bit was replaced by like a viola or something um and like island in the sun as well like the orchestral oh. i think it was the um the the solo that kind of mimics the verses i think that was the bit that they replaced with with the orchestra doing that and it was so so big and falling for you as well like re yeah, nice surprise it's just like gorgeous little, like just really upbeat thing instead of this like scabby, nasty Pinkerton run. <laughs> yeah, similarly, the uh, doodle doodle doo in Buddy Holly, uh, it replaced by, uh, you know, strings or, or flutes or whatever it was at that point in time. Yeah, it was really, really good. It was a good time. Um, also, on, I guess on the live stream front, I'll throw out that I, I didn't have the time to dedicate my entire weekend to it as I saw very brave people on my timeline doing. Uh, but the Roadburn Festival, I guess, Redux thing that they were calling of them, they've got like loads of bands to do, uh, kind of special streams and sets and stuff like that over the course of what would be Roadburn Weekend. I caught a couple of them. Uh, Maggot Heart was great, but like the one was the, um, Interarmor doing their covers set of stuff off the you know the album that we reviewed last year, which is still, I think, one of the the best and most interesting and noteworthy metal covers albums of the entire 21st century uh and them doing like welcome to hell by venom but plastering the the screen with like loads of images and videos of cats good <laughs> evil uh that, did, that they, ins- did they do their purple rain cover no they didn't they didn't do purple rain they did do the insane incredibly brilliant um southern man neil young cover uh and they also they didn't do everything off that album but they did a bunch of stuff that he's not on that as well like they did a really they did a fucking savage medley of minor threat songs and then immediately afterwards dropped into fortunate son by credence clearwater revival but like incredibly fucking heavy version how how much they draw from in terms of their covers i think it's really interesting that a band like interama would decide we're going to cover everything from minor threat to credence clearwater revival It's, it's it's cool yeah, proper fucking band. That was a good time. On with news and stuff that has happened this week that is, you know, of note, I guess a, a pretty fucking big one, is that Mudvayne are reuniting. <laughs> uh, the the Ladybird and Humbug and so on themselves, or they don't look like that anymore, sadly. I hope they bring that back. That would be good. It's like when Akakoka came back and they didn't have the suits. It's not the same. Uh, but they, you know, they have said that they are reuniting and they have announced, at, I guess, first off, a run of 2021 u.s festival shows uh I, I can't remember if we've mentioned mudvayne in passing or not with with the three of us here um what, what what's your opinion on mudvayne so I, I, I can't let you get away with com- comparing mudvayne with akakoka that's surely a, a world first <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, i'm the person in the middle of the venn diagram who likes mudvayne and akakoka there aren't many of us like as yeah mudvayne, they're decent they're like they're not one of the best like bands of the new metal era, but they're certainly above the rubbish stuff. There. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not corn, they're not yeah. Slipknot, but they they do. I think you know, particularly um, was it uh, LD Fifty LD or whatever that DVD record yeah. is called. Um, yeah. it, it it's held up more than a lot of new metal records because it has a kind of more involved musicality to it. Yes, yeah, that, 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 that's sort of how I feel about it. But I was shocked that they are festival headliners on this <laughs> yeah. reunion. I was like, are they that big in America? What? <laughs> this this is definitely a holy shit, they are big in America deal for, for like, us over here. 
I know when I look at US festivals and uh, fucking Godsmacker headlining, I'm just like, oh <laughs> god, there's no hope. But like, I mean, I suppose if Godsmack can headline, then yeah, why not Mudvayne? Yeah, returning Mudvayne, it's a draw. Like, but who are they above on some of these festivals? There are some big fucking names that they are. Again, only only in Miracle Land. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a it's I guess a cool thing to happen. I th- I do think um, after the death of Vinnie Paul and then Hell Yeah no longer being a thing, I kind of thought at that point it would only be a matter of time until uh, Mudvayne, which obviously includes Chad Gray, who was uh, fronting Hell, Hell Yeah. Um, it would only be a matter of time because there have been rumours about it for so long. Uh, any interest in new music from Mudvayne? Because obviously for, for most people, it's going to be, you know, um, it's them going around doing the big US festivals that is the draw. But they might come together to go into the studio at some point. I mean, I'm, I'm not bothered. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'd, it'd be cool to see. I mean, I think it's a thing, isn't it, that a lot of, a lot of people, um, basically because of how long they've been away, might just know them as meh like that's or that's all ding. <laughs> yeah that's that's all they know um but yeah no they're they're decent aren't they is you know it's it's uh, i'll take this over power man 5000 it's uh clearly you know a, a cut above isn't it and like i just i was blown away by how yeah that they're on a level pegging to like slipknot on on one of those festivals it's crazy i'd say yeah, I, think it. it's, I think i think it might be like a day to remember they're sitting above on one of them uh yeah it's certainly a, a, a peg above Palman 5000, <laughs> as we're saying. We see how bad, you know, Palman 5000 have never gone away, have they? I was going to say the Palman 5000 re- reunion, see where that lands. But I think they've consistently plugged it on for all of these years somehow. Yeah, I saw them twice in a week once by accident. What the fuck? <laughs> how did you do that? It's just at festivals, they just turned up. <laughs> did you mistake him for his brother? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that, that was... Uh... Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right, let's move on. Um, although we're, we're not moving too far in terms of era because Fear Factory, they have released a single that is called Disruptor. It is from their new album, Aggression Continuum, which has been finally announced to be coming out on June the 18th. This is, of course, the Fear Factory record that has seen the largest amount of fucking drama unfold about it and, and around its creation over well, years at this point, but certainly in terms of like dominating headlines it's been a good no six months or so uh of fear factory falling out and completely imploding and everyone leaving this is you know a record that um is i think recorded in something like 2017 obviously burton's vocals are on it uh but quite you know notably and and infamously at this point he has now left the band and and fucking hates them so it's a kind of a strange one to be i don't know like taking it and being like am i supposed am i meant to get like excited about this because on one hand it's it's new fit factory and that's cool but on the other hand like there's so much shit around it where you know that like they can't go and tour this record or at least not in the not in the form that it was um recorded in uh alec i think i think i remember you saying that you're not much of a fear factory fan like in in general it's it's literally just like when when Burton does his clean vocals it's it's just wetter than like a fish wank into the shape of water like it's <laughs> I just, just i can't deal this, with it sounds it. like Siri on your mobile phone, the theme vocals, the personality of Siri. That is bang on. Like, yeah. That's what, the, what they sound like on this track. The rest of it's like, great, oh. though. Like, Yeah, I thought that like, the riff and like the, the when he's screaming, it sounds good. But the moment those cleans come in, it just kind of goes, eh. I am a very big Fear Factory fan. Uh, and I think, you know, Burton's clean vocals at their best 
which is normally not live, but certainly in the studio environment, uh, at their best, they can't, the kind of robotic side to it works when it's like, because it, it kind of has, again, obviously it's, it's this like, you know, mechanized music and it's kind of this, you know, um, forgive the cliche, but it, it's, it's you know, the, the the kind of aural ghost in the machine mm. of, uh, of what that is. But obviously there is a certain degree of like, you've got to be able to deliver that and sell it, which he does do on the best records. And in this song, it really is buried behind effects and all the rest of it. Like, it's insane how buried that chorus sounds. Like, it's trying to hide Burton. Uh, but like otherwise, like, the melody is serviceable and the riffs in it hit. Like, it starts mm. with that, like, classic Burton. Disruptor! It, it's got a bit of a, um, dare I say, more of a slightly new metal, kind of digimortal maybe obsolete era kind of bounce to it as opposed to like the machine gun demanufacturer thing which kind of emerges more in like the breakdown section uh it's nowhere near what uh i guess reunion well i'd say reunion fear factory that's fucking it feels weird to say now because i'm talking about you know 10 years ago and the likes of mechanized and stuff were coming out um like 2010's fear factory do have a higher ceiling than this track uh but also, on the other hand, at the dying days of that now, this is of the quality that I would uh, expect and accept. Mm. I just find it hard to care because of the the drama and all of that. I think sort a, of a side lot of people things. are going to be the same. It is, I was like, this is decent, but I was like, is it going to mean anything in, in, in the long run? And that's just kind of why I was like, I did, it, it didn't stick with me because I just felt myself thinking, it's like, well, he's not there anymore and they've all had a big falling out and kind of like damaged their legacy a bit. So, yeah. yeah, I think it comes down to like how big a Fear Factory fan you are, and if you like, if you just want that last record before it all went south, and you want that last, you know, kind of uh, taste and kind of and piece of music to come out of that. If that is you, um, then I, you know, Disruptor is pretty good. We move on to uh, Drug Church. Uh, this broke, you know, just before we were going to record here. Uh, they have announced that they have got an EP coming out on May 25th. It's called Tawny, and they've released two singles from it, which one is the title track, Tawny, and another is called Bliss Out. Uh, being an EP, two singles is literally half the record, I believe. Um, so I'm not sure I would have necessarily even bothered listening to them if, if I wasn't putting them in news here. But New Drug Church, uh, what do you make of them? I think this is wicked. This like Drug Church are like of those kind of like punk, like emo bands that are all the like that whole scene they're just way more aggro and pissed off and they haven't they yeah. haven't mellowed out at all on these tracks yeah like um tawny has got like like i liked the last blog uh drug church record it was kind of the one that um kind of got me into them a little bit uh but like i was still taken off guard when tawny hit and it's almost got like um like kind of the rock end of like turnstile ish energy yeah. in like how chunky it is and then bliss out they basically just rearrange the the notes in the riff to zero by the smashing pumpkins <laughs> and do their one minute 50 version of it which i'm kind of okay with it rips. yeah like i think this is that these two tracks are really cool i, I like to say i probably only would have done one of them right now because i was like it's only an ep you probably could yeah we've got a question on singles coming up later and it was like okay well, half the record is here already fine but um yeah i'm i'm well i'm really looking forward to this ep when it comes out any interest in, in drug church alec um yeah i mean i i didn't listen to this i was eating my tea sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough uh what you may have listened to is uh have you seen the till linderman song yeah the uh the kind of folksy kind of like old old time russian uh language yeah, russian thing. language solo song uh it, it's in like cyrillic so i i cannot say it uh but it translates as favorite city 
Yeah, no, it's it's good, isn't it? Like, I just like hearing his voice. It's like the uh, the kind of like Schlager song that he did at the, at the end of last year with that like um, that violin player, um, kind of similar vein to that. He's just doing kind of like old timey stuff, and uh, say, yeah, he's great at it. Till just doing kind of Russian folk in it, like it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's absolutely nothing to do with rock music whatsoever. It's just kind of. Um... It, it, obviously, it, it's released under the name Till Lindemann, not Lindemann as in the project. So I don't know exactly what he's uh, working on, whether it's kind of building up to anything larger or if he's just fucking about releasing Russian folk songs. Yeah, he's doing loads of weird stuff at the moment. Like He, he is. He, he did an advert for, for Veganuary uh, where he did the uh, the, the Andy Warhol <laughs> thing with the um the what do you call it the the burger like eating the burger for like five minutes uh he did that uh he's doing so i i've missed that there's something to do with planes or something he's got his like his dr dick uh sex toy thing going on as well they do champagne now uh yeah he's he's a a, a man of dr dick yeah. champagne yeah it's called golden shower Hey! <laughs> of course it is to be fair it ties in uh yeah okay and shikari uh they last week out of nowhere re- uh dropped a record called moratorium broadcast from the interruption which basically contains kind of uh live at home and acoustic versions of the songs from nothing is true and everything is possible so if you missed that coming out and you are a and shikari fan and you want to hear that go check it out the wild hearts have then announced that their new album is called 21st century love songs and that is going to be out on september the 3rd portal the experimental death metal freaks have announced a new album called avow for may 28th and they've released a single from that called i did you hear that alec yeah good in it it's fucking terrifying absolutely disgusting <laughs> i yeah. was gonna say this is either cobalt has been like a breakthrough moment or this is some early kind of stockholm syndrome thing but I, even i liked this <laughs> oh, nice. it's kind of worn me down but i was like it just sounds horrible and terrifying but i was kind of got caught up in it so either you've worn me down to the point i'm opening up to this or just yeah it, i don't know i I, I hope it. so. Uh, we, we'll review that record when it comes out. I think, you know, getting a portal single is a bit... <laughs> I, I quite like it was only five minutes long. I was like, oh, it's only five minutes. Well, I mean, it's more just like, you cannot take that on it on its own and be like, yeah, that's, that's a snappy, catchy song. It, the like, vocals you know... are terrifying. Yeah, well, he is like a human clock, if you've ever seen him. Uh, of Mice and Men, also on May 28th, this is a, a contrast, they've uh, announced that on that day they're going to be releasing another EP called Bloom, which is the second EP in their current series of them. Um, the first one came out a couple of months ago, I believe. Uh, Hayley Williams has started quite heavily teasing uh, that they are very much underway creating the sixth Paramore record, so we look forward to that. Korn, uh, Jonathan Davis has just kind of said that Korn have finished up writing a record which uh, on the one hand is not surprising because they've not been able to go and tour the nothing kind of extensively as court you know corner very much a band who tends to have a quite heavy intensive uh tour schedule that you would expect you know most of their kind of year to be taken up with um but like it feels so recent that the nothing came out it's mad to be considering a, an, another corn record uh you know just just around the corner yeah when was it was it 2019 it was like late 2019 oh yeah so it's about a year and a half, but like I suppose they've done similar things before, and again there are circumstances for it. It's just like, oh man, new corn already. Uh, Napalm Death and Venom Prison, along with uh, various other bands, they've been added to the bill for Bloodstock 2021, which is still as of right now uh, going ahead. I think Napalm Death have been put in as Sophie Stage headliners to replace uh, someone who had to pull out. So uh, it is interesting to see 
mostly UK bands being pulled in onto this bill to kind of fill in the gaps of international bands dropping out. I think that is kind of um, what we predicted and what is very much expected but it makes sense and those are fucking cracking additions to the bill uh the foo fighters have postponed their european dates to 2022 netflix are currently working on acquiring a kiss documentary which you know even as a non-kiss fan i'd watch it just be interesting um although i would i think i would rather have a, a the dirt style movie just for the hilarity of like trying to get people to play Kiss and, and, and portray them in, in the 1970s or whatever. Uh, King Diamond uh, is releasing a graphic novel version of Abigail. And sad news that came a couple of days ago that uh, we kind of end off news with today is that uh, Jim Steinman passed away this week, the legendary songwriter who is probably most synonymous for his work with Meatloaf. But uh, generally, if you think of fucking excess uh, and huge bombastic theatrical songwriting like you can go through the list of the songs that he wrote for everyone from fucking bonnie tyler to celine dion and it and it's crazy and i think that it, it, it's certainly you know one that we want to acknowledge in terms of like fucking setting a a standard and a and a uh, you know a, a bar to for people to try and hit when it comes to writing these kind of like theatrical rock opera style songs that like when bands we talk about now try to kind of write these kind of songs and they usually fail it is such such a rare thing to do when it really hits and really lasts uh jim steinman is always the guy we point to as like that's what you're trying to do he's the guy who did that right yeah just the the king of excess like with no no kind of self-awareness and all the better for it like he was <laughs> like just a genius like bat out of hell is like a, a classic album anyway and like he did like this corrosion i think it was more as well by sisters of mercy yeah as well. uh, D- dominion as well on um on floodland the two uh. songs that which they really like that that dominion it really fucking sounds like fusing minimalist goth rock with the jim steinman sound it's a crazy thing like like i'm you know I, i'm not actually a huge meatloaf fan uh but when i look at those songs it's like fucking hell you did this corrosion with Sisters of Mercy. Like, how did he do that? I think when you look at his songwriting approach, and again, in something like Bat of Hell is a perfect example, like, it was progressive. Like, it's fucking mental how those songs are arranged and how they progress. And I think it's not pop songwriting. But at the same time, he was clearly so fucking accomplished when it came to pop songwriting and could write, you know, Total Eclipse of the Heart and that kind of shit and have it be songs that, like, last forever in these kind of way that these songs when they hit it big really really do i i i like quite a lot of those jim Simon songs just because it is just pure excess and bombast in the best way and it is like i say his influence really does even though it's not like he's never cool but it was just his influence <laughs> reached so far because it just when bands wanted to sound that big they would try and do the jim Simon sound yeah, it, it was grandiose. It was OTT. Like it, it, when he worked in the pop sphere, he could only get people who can fucking belt in order mm. to like do it justice. Which I think it goes, you know, to show the kind of songs he was writing. So like, yeah, I think that that's going to be a a lasting mark on what it has been for you know decades now, but continually going forward, a lasting mark on the worlds of um, rock music and music at large. So rest in peace, Jim Steinman. Questions we move into, and Johnny Bass 
kicks us off saying with taylor swift re-releasing her entire discography what are your favorite re-recordings of previous songs i love the addicted version of hyperdrive so much more than the ziltoid one thoughts on that one alec i mean that is that is the right answer because uh annika <laughs> uh, van giersbergen just adds like it's, it's uh, just like poppy sweetness to it and it's mm. just uh it's just so much more upbeat uh like that is the definitive version of hyperdrive yeah that and also um the uh the re-recorded version of summer dying fast by cradle of filth is brilliant i i I considered those songs i i'm too attached to the gnarly fucking principal versions but they do sound incredible yeah um i guess one of the you know works for me is the uh kind of the version that's like a bonus track on schizophrenia by sepultura of of troops of doom uh, re-recording that from like the morbid visions version which for a start the schizophrenia version is in tune which like (laughs) that is troops of doom is a classic sepultura song that they, they you know they can play fucking arise and beneath the remains and those kind of songs and they can slot in troops of doom alongside it and it's the only song from like the morbid visions era that they can do that with and the reason they can do that with is because of that schizophrenia re-recording uh like even the way it adds that little like um the the kind of the kick and where the the rhythmic kind of like the emphasis is on it with that uh that is coming from the re-recorded version even though I am a black metal idiot and I love the out of tune, scuzzy, morbid vision sound. A um, couple more that came to mind for me is the version of Defending the Realm by Winterfilleth that is on the Mercy and Sphere re recorded from the first album. Uh, really, really adds a lot in terms of the clean side and the melody and the what allows kind of the ending of that song to really kind of take off melodically. Uh, seven, uh, 7734 by Sabaton, which is from the first album that they recorded and then didn't release for years that sounds like shit and does not have all of their like skills and elements and Joachim's voice and everything it sounds like a it's just a worse band in general on that record uh they recorded it for like again like a bonus track version of heroes like years later boom one of their best ever songs yeah yeah that that is a very good shout absolutely like i I listened to that song so many fucking times um like when it came out not the in flames version of clayman that they did uh, like a year ago i don't know what that was about what the point of that was no sam um i mean i'll probably be boring to like the one years when they do the burst and decay re-recordings of their songs which are them it's like acoustic but it's not just like they add bits of orchestration keys and stuff like that and some of them are really just taking these songs and turning them into like really beautiful so like that sort of stuff. An approach that I do like is um, uh, Suffocation. Their, I think it's their second record. It's called Breeding the Spawn. Uh, they famously hate the production on it because uh, like they didn't have the money or whatever to record it properly. And it does have a, certainly a distinct sound, to say the least. Um, but ever since that record that came out in like 1993, they have basically re-recorded one song from it on every subsequent album and they're still going like you can go on every fucking suffocation record since the third one uh and there is a re-recorded version of a track from that record and it's insane because it means that the versions they're doing now sound way better than like the first one they did it's like it's, you can hear the fucking evolution of that band across songs from the same album it's very very surreal how long have they how, how many songs have they got left is it going to be like game of thrones where everyone's like mm-hmm. oh god are they going to finish it before they die <laughs> <laughs> i genuinely don't know because fucking frank mullins left the band now there might be like one or two or maybe they finished it on the last record i can't quite remember but certainly it's a it's a 
fucking extensive ongoing project that i've never seen another band quite do in the same way but yeah good question max james asks a nice little brief one because there's a definitive answer for it what was the last piece of merch you all bought uh, i bought a new architects t-shirt because they're they're, they're them doing their like merch drops now where they're doing sort of limited runs of stuff but it's all nicer prints and just i was like there's a there was like a pink do you dream of armageddon t-shirt that looked really cool so i bought that yeah, uh, I guess, I like I said earlier, I went out and bought some records recently, if that counts, like I bought the new Tribulation record. Um, I think technically the last thing I bought is I ordered, uh, or on Bandcamp or whatever it was, I ordered a copy of the new Pupil Slicer record, which is very, very cool. I'm looking forward to that I arriving. I would say yes, I've ordered a lot of records as well, actually. Yeah, uh, on, I guess, like other merch, I, I, a few months ago I bought, you know, speaking of them, I, I bought a cheap probably unofficial Sisters of Mercy shirt from like Wish or something, uh, but it fits and it's nice so it works uh, i don't think i've bought something since then what about you alec uh yeah i i kind of went on a, a, a vinyl buying spree uh i also bought a fridge as well but then uh not 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 a band fridge just a fridge so but do then, you keep your merch in the fridge yeah but then i've uh I, i've been hit by a massive tax bill so i think i might have to sell the fridge and the merch but no i think uh, the, the most recent things i uh on Bandcamp friday i got a couple of t-shirts i got one from harriet who are, or Harriot? They're a, uh, a band from Swindon. Cool. Yeah, they're really good, uh, and uh, it's a very nice shirt as well. It's one of them that's like it's got the little it's got the little sigil on like the breast pocket. It's really classy. Got that, and also a shirt from Kanonenfieber, the German black metal uh, project, which uh, is annoying because he's since announced a much cooler shirt. Because basically, he goes, "What shit do you want?" and then he just makes it um so i just buy all all the uh, i bought the shirt and now there's just a nice orange one so i might have to get that right i was eyeing up um a very nice hoodie uh from ulcerate with their kind of latest album artwork on it that i might buy if i can justify getting another hoodie i have probably too many at this point venom prison just announced released like a really cool new long sleeve as well which i mean i own too many venom prison long sleeves, yeah but you this do one... that every time like, i see you on twitter every time venom prison announce a new shirt I'm just like, oh, because they're so good at the merch, though. I mean, <laughs> I sat here in a Venom Prison long sleeve right now. Yeah, I've still got my Animus long sleeve from 2016 that I've not, uh, it's not, it's not faulted on me, so I'm happy with that. Caroline Marie asks, this is what I was referring to earlier, singles, how many should be released before the full album? Would you rather wait to hear the newest album in full or enjoy a few singles here and there? Question coming from AFI basically releasing half the new album already. Yes, on the AFI front, um, they are an interesting case because they have, I mean, a little bit like Drug Church earlier, but for you know, a full-length album over a much longer uh, period of time, they've been putting out their singles in pairs, haven't they? Like, we spoke about the first pair that came out on the show, which was like back in January or something, um, and I did listen to the following pair that came out, but I saw that they released a couple the other day, and even though I you know, I fucking adore AFI and they are certainly one of the bands that I would like most excitedly click on new music from. Um, I haven't listened to those two because I've decided like I've listened to four songs from this album now. I'm happy to leave it there. Uh, what's your kind of stance on that? I'm always like two, three singles is enough for me. I, I did the same yeah. view of AFI. I listened to the first two pairs, but then when the last one came out, I was like, I'm just going to wait until the album comes out now. If like, they hadn't been released in pairs, I probably would have only listened to two of the songs. Like, it was the fact yeah. that there were, there were two new music drops, essentially, that I listened to. I get why bands do it now, because it's all the Spotify algorithms and all that stuff. So that's why there's, like, more singles that get released. But uh, for me, I, like, honestly, a band can release as many singles as they want. You don't have to listen to them. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it, it used. To, I remember it being like two when I was getting into music. You used to get one like kind of initially, and then one like a little bit before, just to like wet your whistle. Um, but um, I remember when the Grey Chapter by Slipknot came out, and by the time that was out, like I think like literally like seven of the fourteen songs. Really? Were, were out? Yeah, it was something similar. I don't know whether this speaks to my approach because I only remember, like, obviously, we did it on Album Club a few weeks ago. So I only remember um, the negative one, like The Devil and I. Yeah, no, they're quite good. Like, pretty much half of them were just out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it is that streaming thing. I didn't even think of that, Sam. That's a really good point. It's probably just that, isn't it? It's all about getting into playlists, isn't it? So yeah. you just do as many singles. Um, like, that, that was the reason why I just figured that bands, because it never, like, I don't remember it used to be like this, but it's just got more and more in recent sort of years where singles have become the thing yeah i think the important point is what you were saying sam about it's i think people sometimes forget they have their own agency has listeners and can choose whether or not to actually listen to the thing um especially annoys me when i see people complain about like a record being ruined because you've already heard half of it is you chose to listen to half of it if that was your worry and you think the record's going to be ruined don't fucking listen to any of the singles like past the first one if you really have to hear one it's not the record's fault and it's not worse because you went out of your way to listen to songs from it in advance uh like uh, my personal preference is i in most circumstances unless it is like a particular case that i am like super excited about i will not listen to anything past like the second single uh if you know i will accept you know like three or even four singles uh in advance when it comes to a record as like a normal amount if you're getting like five plus then i do think it is fucking stupid but i'm an adult and i choose not listen to them and i will listen to the album and probably have a nicer time with it so like yeah remember that you have control over your own actions everybody and and don't blame what a a record you know being (laughs) going fucking downhill because you heard them all all right and then ben martin asks what band do you love but can't seem to get any of your otherwise cool friends into? Mind in the woods. I just can't get anyone to properly appreciate how amazing they are. Fair, but that is quite cult. Like that is quite <laughs> a, a, a niche one that most people won't love. Um, mine's probably like similar because I, you know, I've got friends who listen to lots of different kinds of music. Like you know, from from Sam to the people who I talk about, you know, fucking like, oh, the new Verkalak record or whatever. Like, uh, like Yes, definitely so, a fan of that. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I've normally got someone I can share something with. Um, probably, I don't know, maybe a band like Ahab or a band who I, I think are like fucking incredible and like one of the best in the world at the thing they do. Uh, but I don't know anyone who is quite as passionate about it as me. But like most bands, to be honest, like there, there are lots that are, you know, that are my bands that I listen to and don't necessarily talk to people with, but like there's normally at least one person that I can be like, yeah, I'll, I'll chat to you about this one. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat really because with like a lot of my friends, there's always some kind of crossover. Like with like hardcore bands, I've got someone I can talk to about them. Same with like the the Springsteen core bands and all of that sort of stuff. Um, like like there were some bands like Pew Pew Pew. I know like I I tried with a lot of my mates to get them to check them out, and none of them were having it. But I found at least one friend who'd be like hey listen to pew 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 they're cool um even i quite like pew 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 yeah i think the most the main one i can think of where i can't i can hardly think of any actually i say that i'm pretty sure our mutual friend mark loves it is masked intruder like oh right yeah because i've i've that last album that came out there so i was like banging on about that to a load of mates and they were just like no i can't get past the vocals and i was just like but this is just really great pop punk that like 
things like their own. So they're probably the closest I could get to something like this. But I'm still pretty sure. Again, we have a friend. Like we have friends who would still listen to that stuff. Yeah, very much. So. They sound like children's cartoon music for me. Like they just they're, they they are a pop punk band writing Saturday morning cartoon theme. They series. do, but it's really big and catchy. If you're into that, fine, Alex. <laughs> oh, I remember when I was younger. Um, I tried for years to just get anyone to like Cradle of Filth because they were <laughs> they they were my favorite band for ages. And I remember my my mate's stepdad. Like he was like her. Huh? Someone has to like them. And I'm like, Steve, mate, like they've got like two million <laughs> Facebook fans. Um, but uh, yeah, so them. And then I guess um, Skinny Puppy. I just can't like, it's, it's literally me and my sister hmm. like Skinny Puppy and no one else I, I, I like who I'm mates with like really, really loves Skinny Puppy. Um, and so when they actually finally toured after ages, I was like, yes, Skinny Puppy, let's go. And everyone was just like, nah, I'm all right. Yeah, they're, they're a band like Skinny Puppy. Really have so much influence on things that I do love, um, and I've heard like I've heard like bands cover their songs and stuff, and be like, "Yeah, this is good," uh, but I've never gone and listened to a record and fallen in love with it. It's certainly something that I should try with at some point. You definitely should, and their live show is like ridiculous. Like they uh, they got announced for Download Paris um a few years ago so i was, said to my partner i was like right we're going to paris uh book the tickets <laughs> and then a week later they announced they were playing london where we were living at the time uh mm. so i saw skinny puppy twice in a week nice all right this week as alec kind of led with earlier today uh on the patreon we continued our tnm does horror series with its second episode uh over there where we spoke about godzilla versus kong the monster brawl that has lit up the disease-ridden you know movie world and has has set it aflame uh and you know as it was the time for it we also spent about an hour and a half thinking you know talking about the the other movies in the series too that have led up to it uh alec you did join us for this one the first episode was just me and sam um and alec I, i did say to him that he doesn't have to go through and watch every single movie in the series if he didn't have the time and he could just hop on for like godzilla versus kong if he likes but he went away and did just that like a diligent little schoolboy, didn't you I bloody did, and I had a good time, apart from King of the Monsters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was fucking stupid. Uh, I, yeah, it was really, really good fun. Again, I, I think I, I felt a little bit like, uh, you know, when a- a- Anthony Fantano talks about metal, and you're like, you don't know what you're fucking talking about. Felt a little bit like that compared to you two. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was great. It was, it was a proper laugh. Um, and yeah, as we were talking about um, before we... Uh, started recording i am definitely getting that uh bureaucracy themed godzilla film on blu-ray <laughs> on payday you had a blast yeah. didn't you sam you could barely uh, contain your excitement i was so good to just like actually just get to nerd out over godzilla <laughs> like completely unrestrained because this has been like i say godzilla has been something i've loved since i was like six or so, six or seven whenever i saw the the i would talk about on the podcast but like watching on tv and the the american movie like i've loved godzilla since then and have carried on loving godzilla so just getting to be like godzilla's awesome and these new godzilla movies are really good even if you like and explaining why in depth king of the monsters is great (laughs) (laughs) yeah there is division there um yeah obviously like the vast majority i think probably will not care so much for our movie-related content. But it's a thing we're ha- really having a lot of fun doing there over on the Patreon if you are someone who is like interested and wants to have it. And that's all it is. It's making it available for the people who want it. Uh, I've got to say, 
it like as much as it's fun to like just meme on you know big monkey big lizard having a fight uh and there is a lot of laughing at like the ridiculous shit that happens in these films in that episode um but like the episode was pretty lengthy and i think that we got a really good talk out of uh the real content and guts of them like you know the kong skull island conversation is way more legitimately interesting than you might expect if you just saw kong skull island at the cinema and then never thought about it again after that point uh you know the difference in approaches taken between like godzilla 2014 and king of the monsters and how both of them pissed on half of the audience's desires in different ways uh if you are at all interested in exploring i guess kaiju movies but also you know weighing up just you know modern blockbusters in the west against each other i think it's a good episode to bring you into what we're doing over there and we've got more ideas for it more specials obviously coming very very soon uh you can head over to patreon.com slash that's not metal if you want to get in on the the large boy action that's happening over there reviews this week is where we're going to spend our next hour or so until we leave you uh but now i promise there is good music this week like like there is good music out that we are going to review that we are going to talk about uh when we kind of program the running order of the show often we do consider merit and we do consider like you know this is the best record the one we really want to push to people so we will put it first in the running order uh we've not done that here uh it felt like there was you know there's a particularly hefty double of, of large bands to talk about and uh, we don't have an album club later so what we're going to do is we've got some stuff that we need to get through together and then we can come out of the other side and have some positivity <laughs> to leave you on so stick around uh, or you know skip forward if you don't want to hear us you know don't want to hear the negative side of life but that's how the reviews are working this week again i don't think that's too much of a spoiler because you know, the records are more nuanced than just that but that, that's how we're running things this week first record we can talk about is from none other than greta van fleet their album is called the battle at gardens gate it is their second kind of full-length album this is i think a really interesting time for us to be reviewing greta van fleet because i think at this time album number two you know like third uh major release after the ep that they initially blew up on I think it's almost make or break time for them. And crucially, I do not mean commercially in that statement whatsoever. They've already broken commercially. Like they are one of the biggest rock bands of their generation, which is the generation that notably has almost zero chance of cracking the mainstream as a rock band. They're fucking huge. We're top billing them here this week over The Offspring. Uh, you know, what we say about this album and whether it's good or not does not matter for their standing uh and to be honest this album's been out about a week and it's been getting kind of middling reviews like three out of fives all over the place occasionally a bit of a kicking what i mean is make or break in us lot the little subsector that doesn't really matter too much for them uh of you know hardcore rock metal and, and alternative music fans bothering to give them our attention we are you know with this review we are not here to be hyperbolic and say that they are the worst thing ever and, and rip off merchants nor the the saviors of rock music i think the point of us even reviewing this like again we, i think that doesn't probably is not going to affect their standing either way whether it is good or not the point of us reviewing this is to be a pointer i think for does this album contain stuff that you the active rock listener and passionate consumer of new music is there stuff in here that's worth checking out because if you're anything like me you probably think that Greta Van Fleet have potential to do things that are quite good 
and you just want to lean them into that a bit. Uh, and a new album is almost like a flip of the coin for if you should give it an hour of your time or not, and we can hopefully shed a bit of light for it here. That's all. How, how much of that is fair to say and kind of relevant in regards to uh, your own positions on this band, you two? I mean, I haven't had a drink in a while. <laughs> um, and I I had to, like, I, I, I literally, like, I... I got about halfway through this and I did have to pause it and pour myself a, I... a, a glass of Kahlua. Um, it's what you're saying. That's all true. Like I don't, this isn't like bad. It's not crap or anything. Um, but like, have you, have you read the press notes for this? Uh, it says it's paving the way for a new generation yeah. of musicians. <laughs> one that uses rock and roll's foundational elements to build an entirely new sonic blueprint. So no, give me grindcore polka, give me classical jazz reggae. Like that's like imagine how like people would laugh airborne out of the room if they said that, or like Hell Ripper or the Darkness or any of those bands just like ripping off Entombed. Like there's nothing wrong with not being like original because that's not like there's yeah I've not got a problem with that but um don't oh. then try and pretend you are being this revolutionary new thing yeah and like I'm with you by the way like I had to pause this halfway through and listen to something else on my first listen because I was just drifting away and I was like right I just, I need something to just kind of get me back on get me focused again and then I gave the rest of this a listen because oh you boy, just this you just is... <laughs> what you're saying about drifting that yeah because a lot of it follows quite a similar pattern where it's like it'll they'll just do the kind of meandering like uh led zepp thing and also the uriah heap thing because they listen to uriah heap now uh and there's loads of keys in like that uh yeah uriah heap deep hurt uh deep purple there, there's there are other things in here yeah yeah but all the, from the same time period but yeah you know. <laughs> they, they do that thing where where the music cuts out and then he just goes, yeah! And I, like that's... Ju- ju- I was waiting for which one of the, the first of us to go, <laughs> when, when you said you were drifting time. off, uh, my uncontrollable laughter definitely soothed my experience from listening <laughs> to this in one sitting. Um, I, I think I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll kind of get onto that in a little bit. I think that um, with where they are as a band, it's kind of reflected in the build up to this record. Like, you know, we are reviewing this a week behind its release date because of you know other things that were out uh and you know there's now not just the build-up but i suppose a week's worth of of fallout to the album in that there fucking isn't any like Mm. there is no talk about this album the way there was leading up into the first album which they dropped off the map immediately after releasing and don't seem to have returned uh and that's not to say that they are failing because it's gonna they're not like it's gonna fucking sell like crazy anyway the point is that the engagement is not from people in our sphere. It's yeah. from middle America and whatever, you know, the equivalent here is. Um, uh, and this I- is exactly what I thought happening when everyone's talking about, oh my God, I keep thinking there's a new great fan for them. No one's talking about us. It's like, because no one in our sphere is their audience anymore. They are trying to yeah. appeal to people who don't listen to rock music and alternative music the way we do. They like, this is music for people who think there's no, there's no rock music anymore. They, who people who think rock music is dead and the only way to revive it is a pale imitation of the past. Yeah, and when it comes to this specific record, because Greta Van Fleet, like I was saying, kind of hinting at earlier, at their best, when they get the formula right, they could be really good. Like, mm. they're not the first fucking 
Led Zeppelin influenced band to be like well copycat this century, but they yeah. are the one who have gotten huge and who have you know um, they've gotten shit thrown at them for it by institutions much much larger than us because they are a lot more prominent. Um, I think when it comes to this album, that the the po- relevant point is what you're saying, Sam, in terms of whose voices they're paying attention to, and I think that my theory is with this album that is something that is having effect on their music because. When the debut album, uh, Anthem of the Peaceful Army, was released in 2018, the critiques that, like, we had on this show in our little corner, or, you know, uh, again, the people they don't really need to listen to very much, was that it sounded like they were trying to be old before their time. It's okay to sound like Led Zeppelin if you're energised. Highway Tune is good. When the Curtain Falls is good. Black Smoke Rising is good. The criticisms they've heard, though, aren't that. It's that their sound is, you know... They're reductive and regressive and just sounds like one band that another band's name has become the albatross around their neck. Uh, And I think that having that shit thrown at them for years now, with this album, they've gone the other way from where we wanted them to go and they've doubled down on the farty shit. They can't just be, you know, a Led Zeppelin tribute band, so they have to get grander. They have to be more stately and they have to have something to say of their own. And the Mm. result is that it still sounds like Led Zeppelin because they can't fucking help it. And they're just cutting off even more of the life. That's my thesis on on why the Battle of Gardens Gate sounds like it does. What do you think? Like Led Zeppelin had some, still had some fighty shit going on, had some eye fighty shit going on. (laughs) They did. Like I think Led Zeppelin are brilliant, but they they, they still had some of that. Yeah. And going, so when you're just going harder on that, you're just going harder on one part of the band you're still ripping off you're not doing something different no and i think like led zeppelin had really good songs uh you know like, yeah, yeah, they did. yeah absolutely and and like here i mean like my way soon like that riff is fun and the, i pack my bags i got my freedom like that's it's good it's not no quarter uh but it's uh you know it's it's decent in it you know broken bells i remember the bit where he goes broken bells because he sounds the like christopher walken uh yeah like when the <laughs> When when the strings come in as well, like it's it's all it's like it's not bad. I think that's the thing. Like I, if you like Greta Van Fleet and you like, if you listen to this and you think this is brilliant, good, like good, like good for you. Like there's like I'm not like saying are oh, you an idiot because you like Greta Van Fleet, but um, you like not at all. Like like what you like, but I just I I can't. I just don't understand what this is like it's just there's just hardly anything memorable on it like i just don't i, I like i don't understand how how people who what like how old are they are they like our age um yeah they're right specifically they're like my age yeah like yeah they're, uh, they're uh, young when it comes to like you know uh I don't know, having some, having some disdain. I think when when people are oh yeah particularly of are of your age group it almost like this record makes me want to fucking find the members of Greta Van Fleet and cyber bully them. Like, <laughs> fucking stop doing this. Why are they trying to be so fucking old? Like, they are obsessed with coming across as worldly uh, and well-traveled. When the, the appeal of fucking, you know, classic rock revivalist bands is that young strut. That is, it's making something that was exciting once that since has had all of its, like, you know, kind of key players grow old or die have that be exciting again uh, and you know that's what they even got big on with stuff like the ep uh, but this album is, is that like i was saying that they're they're 
so trying to kind of have more strings to them and like you know alec you were talking about i guess some of the other sounds on it um there are bits of other rock bands of the era uh, i mean like, they've always had like bits of aerosmith in there but again that's the side they're leaning away from a lot more and more towards here um like we said deep purple uriah heap uh even like bits of like prog rock like yes and stuff like that but it's not in a way that is progressive in any or even like particularly challenging in the fucking slightest and it's even like a band like opeth like now who lots of metalheads jumped ship from when they started just playing like 1970s prog rock. Uh, but something like their last record did things with that sound that was really out there and intriguing to the ear. Whereas this, when Heat Above starts, which is the first track, it starts with that organ, uh, which is not you know bad in of itself. I like organs, but it made me feel like within the context of what I know Greta Van Fleet are, it made me like intake breath and go here we go again uh, and my instincts there were wholly correct because that sounds like what you would think a mind expanding journey of a song would be if you'd never left your hut in the wilderness that you'd locked yourself in since about 1969 <laughs> i think that's it it's just like music has gone into so much more interesting places since then like you can do progressive expansive intricate songwriting way more interesting than this this sounds regressive because it just it's so like it's just like so obsessed with sounding like something that we've heard before and being a cheap imitation yeah it it fetishizes the past at the expense of like actually doing their job and just writing (laughs) just 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 writing like catchy tunes like because that's That's all that's all i want from a band that sounds like this i just want songs that i can like you know tap my foot to the riff and kind of sing along preferably without laughing but like like highway tune on the last highway tune was on the last album wasn't it because that's highway a tunes great on the EP. example the EP. i was on the ep but that's a great example of what greta van fleet could mm. do if they yeah t- tapped into the right elements and there's there's nothing like that on this album there is it's so stuck in one place every song is this this same five minute drawn out thing with too many solos and him making funny noises all the time like he's a really good vocalist in a lot of ways but he's so much of it spent him making silly noises this album was paced by a deluded lunatic (laughs) yeah and the the result of this album be like you know being kind of made up what it is is it's about 20 percent good because there are like you know the kind of again i think the good stuff is in the first half because i think the back half of this album I could not tell any of those songs apart by sure. the end. Like, I think My Way Soon, which you mentioned, Alec, yeah. is it's the closest to kind of, you know, the single formula that they are quite good at now. Yeah. Um, it's got that, like, riding down the highway with the roof open kind of riff. Um, it, it's not as, like, you know, bit between its teeth as, like, Let the Curtain Falls or something, but it's kind of it's kind of energetic in, like, a mellow, skinnered kind of way. Uh, and that, like, I'm packing my bags, like, that squawky hook. It's fun. Um, you know, it, it, it's about 20% good, 50% boring, 30% unintentionally funny. And uh, that is the bit that, like, really, like, the guy, like, he's got a hell of a voice. And it's not even just wholly in, a, in an aping Robert Plant kind of way, because he's arguably, like, you know, I think this guy's a little more high-pitched. I can probably distinguish them um, if you put the two, you know, like recordings of them together. Uh, but it is really funny how tentative the music can be when he's just going, wah! 
like it, 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 it's really fucking scared to tread too heavily music uh and then like you know the chorus on like built by nations is a really good example of like he does that like the noise that i just made basically he does it a few times like it's his bleh and by the time it got to the final chorus in that song i broke down giggling and then the next song starts with like a slow fade in where you can hear him in the back coming up like there's a bit about five minutes into Wait a Dreams when the song breaks down and he comes oh, back in. Oh with my god! I effect. thought I was having like a fucking nightmare. Like honestly, <laughs> in my in my in my notes, right? Like when I was making notes for this, I literally just googled a man seppukuing himself and put it in there. Like, I, I thought like, someone something... was playing a cruel trick on me. This one with the second half of the album is just—it's that to me. Is that noise is happening repeatedly? with guitar solos happening around it. it that's all I can remember from the entire second half of this album. I mean, it, it happens before then, like Broken Bells, like has again, like the, like the solos in it can be quite good, like, you know, kind of, you know, elevate into that cool kind of like mountainside kind of solo uh, in a song that's otherwise really fucking middling. But then Josh coming out of it with the wah, like, and the exact same thing happens on fucking Age of Machine, like, like just trudging along until they've decided they've wasted enough time and can now justify the big solo. Uh, and then even even on the rock stuff, like, um, what is it? Um, I think it's Built by Nation, is literally just like rearranging the notes to create the same effect of Black Dog. Like, it's insane how brazen that one is. But without, like, you know, Black Dog is fun. Black Dog is, is sex. This This is, like, the most sexless version of that kind of feel that you could possibly try and do and i think like led zeppelin songs can have a real like even when they are super fucking like you know upper mountain side talking about the fucking the the, the hobbits and, and the rest of it they can have a real like emotional accessibility like they can be super flowery but you know how stairway to heaven is supposed to make you feel mm. because it's kind of effortless you're not having to think too much about it this sounds constantly like a group of pretenders trying to make you think that they're making you feel something and what that feeling is is just vague and ephemeral it's just an hour-long impression of gravitas and deeper meaning that isn't there yeah totally like it just i just was just like i'm getting nothing from this because it doesn't feel sincere at this point it like i i maybe they are totally sincere and this is what they are genuinely believing but it feels like they're just they're doing this because they're they're told they have to be the led zeppelin impersonators now or something like i didn't get a a human emotion from this once i I, no i i think they do genuinely believe this i i I really do like they they probably they might do but it doesn't but it like it doesn't come across in the music it doesn't come across as like there's it, it doesn't feel like there's passion to it no, but then again, it's like if, if if I tried to write a book in the style of Terry Pratchett, it would be like a shit version of Terry Pratchett, um, <laughs> and it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like you're not gonna, you're not that thing. So mm. just if you like, try to write like a seventy year old when you were sixteen, <laughs> you'd come across as out of your depth. A, a seventy year old with actual like fucking dementia, um, like yeah, like it's it's just it's not. I I just don't I don't get. I, I I almost feel I feel bad because like I, I, as I said I do think that they really 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 in their heart of hearts 
they 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 believe that this is like groundbreaking and like really kind of emotional and intense and stirring but it just it it just did nothing for me at all well, like I don't, this is this is so far removed from the sort of rock music I like now I can admit that this is I am not the target audience for this but I'm like but who is is it Jack Black's character from School of Rock is that <laughs> is that the music like that to me is that like that I all like a picture of who would like this is like Jack Black in School of Rock you can imagine him yeah like air guitar and I'll pack my bags yeah yeah, but even they're only fucking that one because the rest of it is, is <laughs> yeah. it's it's fucking you know matey boy just kind of shrieking really out of place over like acoustic folk rock. It's real rock music. It's they're they're bringing rock music back. Well, Jesus Christ! Like fucking Howls of the Holy is forty minutes long. Like Led Zeppelin three and four are just over that. This band are trying to jump straight to fucking physical graffiti. And fuck me, like you're not there yet. <laughs> and I like that's what it needs to be. I don't care whether they really think that you know they are kind of being pro- progressive in any way. Whether they you know really just want to kind of pay tribute to Led Zeppelin or whatever, but not have anyone know whatever. I don't fucking care. What I would like you not to do is be super fucking ephemeral trying to be pensioners when the appeal of your band is that you're not. Uh, and you know wasting my fucking time with it and the only thing that I can get is like occasionally like you know this is the fucking worst thing they've done so far and I think that what it's done is I've settled with Greta Van Fleet now in terms of like where I am with them they are a quite capable singles band of like throwback Led Zeppelin Aerosmith style rockers and then the wider albums that they are attached to are purgatorial nightmares and it makes me wonder (laughs) if we'll like bother reviewing them next time around because they've, they've established where their bread is buttered and I think that if they're going to keep doing this I don't see any more reason to kind of keep them firmly on our radars as if we were like reviewing the new Shinedown album or something like that like we know what it's going to be and it's not for us other yeah. than really really laughing at that Doppler effect bit in Weight of Dreams when honestly he does the, the Robert Plant voice impression like uh, you know version of just <laughs> Purgatorial nightmare. Stick that on the front of the album. <laughs> That'll be the name of the next one, won't it? I fucking hope not. Uh, there you go. Greta Van Fleet. Battle of Gardens Gate. It's out now. Next review. <laughs> <laughs> if you thought I was mad about Greta Van Fleet. Oh. <laughs> well, um, The Offspring are up next. Their album is called Let the Bad Times Roll. <laughs> it is the first album in nine years from one of the biggest punk bands of all time. Like, makers, of course, of some of the most significant records in punk's history in kind of changing its commercial and cultural trajectory. The likes of, um, you know, of course, Smash and then, you know, uh, Ixnay on the Ombre, Americana, that kind of run of records. Uh, this hasn't really come up so much. And obviously I'm not talking specifically today, but do you like The Offspring in general? I like those early records. <laughs> uh, like Smash is great. Ixnay on the Ombre is good. Um, Americana's got some silly stuff on it, but it's got some amazing stuff on it. Like most I of them do have got silly stuff like, on it. <laughs> I what's that? Most of them have got silly stuff. Yeah, on it. yeah. To be fair, they do. But I think America Americana's when the silly stuff crept up more and more. I'd mm, say. That's fair. But I do genuinely like a uh, early offspring. Having said that, it's been over twenty years since they did anything worth any note. <laughs> yeah, I only got into the offspring maybe like five years ago or something because the only offspring song I'd heard for some reason, was Pretty Fly for a White Guy. So I just thought 
that they were rubbish. Kind of like I, I used to think that the Beatles were just shit because I'd only heard Yellow Submarine as a kid. They just played it in school. So I was like, oh, the Beatles, they're rubbish. Why is everyone going on about the fucking Beatles? Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Offspring, the good. Yeah, Smash through to Conspiracy of One. I enjoy it. It's a lovely time. Yeah, I think that this is... Uh, it's interesting that you say that, kind of, Sam, because um, I don't entirely agree in terms of like that long a period of time, but like this is a bit of a case study in how... Uh, just a band's name can morph over the decades in terms of the kind of emotions that it brings out. Like, it's fair to say that throughout the 90s and then go, you know, just going into the 2000s, The Offspring were a great band who were justifiably beloved. Nowadays, the words New Offspring album, they don't kind of make me want to you know, bury my head in the sand the way that, like, New Green Day album does, like, you know, some Ooh, other bands of their generation. Um... But... I would be lying if I said the instinctive response to those words wasn't a bit of a sigh and some apprehension. Uh, material prior to this, because this album is so fucking long in the in the making, um, Days Gone By is the previous album from 2012. The only thing I can remember about that album is the novelty single Cruise in California. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, that's the I, only thing I can remember from that. I can't even bring myself to hate it because it's so fucking silly and ridiculous. But classic offspring, it is not... Uh, Rise and Fall, Raging Grace in 2008 is quite good, I think. Um, you can go far, kid, on it, out of nowhere. Absolutely one of their best songs ever. I suppose that song, but I can't remember anything else off that album again. Well, that that's the, the big one, but the record's decent. I, I, what I'm saying is that certainly feels like a bit of a last gasp yeah. for uh, The Offspring. I mean, they, they'd, they'd already got a bit shit before that when you have hit that on the previous album. <laughs> was that on the one before that or was that two whatever, I, I think i think whatever, it is on that one whatever album hit that was on i mean that song is hilariously shit i mean it is hilarious it's really fucking catchy um, <laughs> yeah i i feel like off, like even just offspring novelty songs um people have really like differing opinions on them because it's just like whatever sound annoys you the most it's gonna be the one. <laughs> like i'm not crazy on pretty fly for a white guy which loads of people acted like a fucking classic uh Big but like <laughs> yeah um but anyway this album has been in the work since 2013 like mm-hmm. if you go and look at the the background of production section on this album on wikipedia it's fucking mad like it has been like it's not just we finally realized we hadn't made a record for ages last year and decided to do one like it has been an ongoing process of creating this record for Eight years. Uh, coming for you. I don't know why I said it like that. Coming for you is uh, you know that single came out in 2015, and that's I have no I've, fucking that's memory why of that. I recognise that. Oh my god! I was like, I feel like I've heard this song before <laughs> when I was listening to it, and I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, Oh, it came out years ago. Oh, yeah, man. it came out in 2015, and I, I have no fucking memory of it happening, but it did I happen. Know, but I recognise it. That's the thing when I listened. To it, I was like, I feel like I've heard this song before, <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how. And, that, that well, I'm glad it. to have answered your question. Um, but I think that that plays into a bit of a disconnect with The Offspring between their, like, you know, on one hand, it's a nine-year gap in albums from one of the biggest bands of their whole scene. And on the other hand, doesn't feel like an event whatsoever. People don't think or care about The Offspring at all. Which brings us to, you know, the, the record Let the Bad Times Hot, uh, Roll. This is a record that, I mean, Sam, you clearly hate it. Uh, I hate it. I'm going to get that out of the way. I think this is dreadful. Right. I think that it's got really bad moments, but as a whole, it's not awful. It's just a record that's a little hard to get impassioned about. 
It's just a bit unexciting. Before I hand over to you, Sam, to, to kick the shit out of it, uh, Alec, <laughs> where, where are you kind of sitting on the, on the offspring pendulum here? I mean, to be fair, I was very worried when I saw the album art. It looks like <laughs> one of those shirts, those horrible shirts, it'll say something like, if you can see this, the bitch fell off. Or like... <laughs> Or ne- never mess with a man born in March whose favourite band is Seether. One of those you get off the internet from your, real, but yeah. based on your search history. Um, so I was I was expecting nothing, and um, I think it doesn't really feel like a new album because um, it's what it's like just over half an hour. It's only really got eight new songs because it's got that one song that was released like six years ago. It's got uh, two covers. One is a cover of their own song um, (laughs) and a reprise. So it's only really about like between 20 and 25 minutes of new music um i I guess nine years well spent lads yeah i I think that if if i'd been working on something for eight nine years and this was it i would be a bit disappointed in myself uh like i think the way they've fleshed it out it feels a little bit like you know like when you're doing essays at like university or something and you're you're trying to fill up the word count it's like in conclusion it becomes ever more apparent that the protagonist (laughs) was not in fact a reliable narrator an unreliable narrator yes um it feels a little (laughs) bit like that um but i don't think it's that bad i think there's some all right songs on it i think this is not utopia yeah it's all right think let the bad times roll yeah it's all right Uh, let the bad times roll which was the single that we discussed um a month or two ago i had it stuck in my head earlier today i think that's quite good like i think i think in some ways, it's a, it's a story of two halves, this record. Because it starts, like, this is not Utopia. Um, it's fine. It's a slower, less urgent version of a classic punk rock sound that they do. Uh, it, you know, it, it's as as vaguely political as you would expect from a, like, a band like The Offspring it's, to be on the subject. It sounds so out of date already, though. Like, that song... <laughs> Like, if that song, like, this song sounds like, yeah, we're writing like, a rousing anti-Trump punk song. Yeah. Oh, Trump. Like, and I'm not saying now that Trump's not in office, everything's fine. But even when you just listen to the lyrics, it sounds so cliche and lazy. It, it likely was a, rec- a song that was written about a year ago. Uh, but, you know, it, it talks about riots and lies being thrown away and stuff like that. Again, it, it's-, it's as political as you expect the offspring in 2021 to be. Yeah. But then, again, my problem with that then is it sounds so, f- there's no anger in the vocals and the performance when he's doing that the whole the roots the roots the roots of america thing he just sounds bored yeah yeah no i i, I get that i think it's it just, it's just very clean and clinical isn't it um, this is this is where my hate this is like where my hatred st- starts of this album. right <laughs> well see that i think that's the thing I, I don't think he sounds like bored i do i just think it's it, it just doesn't sound like impassioned it's just there um yeah. but like what you're saying about the like the political content is like you can't really write political songs when you know when you started the album um obama was in office uh <laughs> you know that's how long it's been like um mm. so and yeah um but yeah yeah i mean i'm not really listening to it for for the lyrics to be honest <laughs> i'm not either but i just it stuck out to me how lazy and cliche and the point about the, the the kind of like the intensity of delivery on such a subject is certainly uh valid and warranted but like i i don't think that material is terrible like it's fine there's songs like behind your walls and army of one that again are kind of like more middling like serious kind of offspring um on 
merely okay songs. Choruses are a bit flat. I like uh, Breaking These Bones quite a good amount. I think that's where the kind of up-tempo starts to be felt a bit. It's got kind of like jagged, like bucking riff. That's kind of what you want. Again, the title track is, um, considering it's it's a kind of jauntier song, it's like a good offspring single. Like put that within the set list and, and you're fine. Kind of Dexter on personality alone kind of sells it. The chorus is quite well put together with like the different facets of like acoustic guitars, dance beat, weirdly. Um, like, you know, they, they do that quite well. Yeah, I really like the uh, the kind of the bit that goes fuck yeah. It reminds me of um, oh, <laughs> what's the song in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? The oh yeah, it reminds me of that. Um, but yeah, let the bad times roll. That's really fun, isn't it? And like, um, <laughs> it is. And like Army of One, like the almost like kind of like the Dead Kennedys kind of like holiday in Cambodia kind of like slinky guitar thing. It's good fun. I mean, but then you know, on the flip side, you do have. We never have sex anymore, which you know. I'm gonna just go like, off on that song I, in a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, because like when when the the clicking fingers came in in on that, I was like, Dexter, I will just have sex with you. Like, <laughs> stop. Like, put the guitar down. Yeah, like that song is. You, you know when you get idiots who say they hate all ska punk and they because they've never listened to like actual good ska punk. That's that's what they think all ska punk is. Is that song is a shit punk song about having sex with some trumpets slapped on. That's what those people think all ska punk is. Ska punk's way better than that, but that song is the embodiment of that whole thing. It's fucking dreadful. Is, oh my God. It's the it second longest so, song on the album. It made me so <laughs> angry. I. Uh, this but, is where the, 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 the two halves point I was <laughs> saying comes in, because We Never Have Sex In All is the shift point. Like, yeah. the good material on this, on this album which I'd say is about two songs, is before that point. Um, that is, like, if we're going in on, again, the Offspring novelty songs, it's not even as, like, hilariously what the fuck are you doing as Cruising California. It's just mm. more like a... It's embarrassing. It's, yeah. It's, it is embarrassing. It's cringy. It, it's a middle-aged dad version of their old novelty songs, and it kind of hits this odd spot between, like, being light-hearted and being, like oddly kind of cringily revealing <laughs> but this this is when you said about that middle-aged dad thing that's my problem with this album this album is the musical equivalent uh, musical equivalent of the steve buscemi how do you do fellow kids <laughs> that's been the offspring for a long time but yeah, certainly but it's, this is the album where that's come to but fruition there is no hiding it anymore on this album like see when they're trying to be punk and angry and down with the kids it, again it feels like that oh it just there's so much in this album that just genuinely made me angry well yeah like literally straight after we never have sex anymore you got in the hall of the mountain king like a cover of that which is that is like a ringtone your uncle would show you because he thinks it's funny like oh yeah we've got this punk band doing in the hall of the mountain king on a guitar i on a guitar rock on but like um i saw madness do this better in doncaster like nine joey demayo's bass cover of flight of the bumblebees that's on one of the manual records has more place on that record than that does on this one it's total practice room faff that's just made its way onto your grand return and kind of it's at this point of the record where like it just kind of stops trying and in terms of like in tandem with it being you know nine years taken to make this record it's almost shocking that some of this material is here like that like gone away just a totally unnecessary (laughs) piano version of one of your old classic songs that people like you for that that was the moment like i like i I think that is the moment why i'm so angry about this album because (laughs) 
like I was willing to just be like, this is just a bad offspring album, whatever. And then and then that happened, and I was just like, why are you doing this? Yeah, like, Gone Away is one of like it's it's one of the more serious offspring songs, and it like the original version of it is this really like quite powerful track, and then they just turn it into the wettest, most flat, dreary piano ballad with the vocals sounding just so bad, and I was just like. You are an embarrassment. You're like you. You're never the most credible band. You were a silly punk band in a little bit, but you had some really good stuff. And now you are a like a shadow of yourself. You're an embarrassment. I I got <laughs> angry about this Offspring album, and I was just like, oh my god, why am I getting this worked about the Offspring? But I was just I was in a bad mood after. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't inspire that level of of, of uh, venom just, in me it, because it's because I like punks where I live in like like and the yeah thing is. is Older nineties punk bands can still be good. Look at what the last Rancid album, the last Bad Religion album, yeah. the No Effects album we did a couple of weeks ago. Those are all still respectable albums, and this and like those bands still give a shit. Clearly, and I was just like, how are the Offspring? I, do you know what actually probably feeds into my anger towards this? They're playing fucking Wembley Arena. <laughs> <laughs> this album, a band on this album are playing arenas, and I was just like. How is this happening? It's clearly not because, like, again, this is another band just like Greta Van Fleet, but much, much further down the line, where, like, new material doesn't fucking matter in terms of their standing. Like, I Gone know, Away, but... again, totally unnecessary piano version of one of your old songs, is followed by Lullaby, a totally unnecessary, slowed down fucking reprise of the title track that doesn't even come to, like, a natural finish or conclusion. Just it just kind of fizzles kinda, out, just kind of slips away. It's like you've downloaded um, Let the Bad Times Roll on LimeWire and you've just got like, you, you know, when you just drew the short straw and you got like a really bad version. Like, yeah. that's what it sounds like. It's like your loading screen's ended and you're entering the game. It, it means that your like your 33 minute Offspring album ends on about five minutes total of stripped back, quiet material. Bad idea. Um, there is There is stuff on the second uh, half that's like, you know, closer to the forgettable but at least vaguely credible stuff on the first, like the opioid, the opioid diaries. diaries and Hassan uh, Chop. Like, those right. two songs are fine. They would be better punk song. They'd be better songs played by a better band, by No Effects, Bad Religion. Like those songs in the hands of a better band at this point would probably be quite good. But yeah, Hassan Chop is almost them going like you know fucking minor threat hardcore but in a way that like doesn't flatter them necessarily mm. uh i think you know in general this album it's not like a an out of their depth what are you doing like why are you making these decisions like a fire of all motherfuckers is it's just like oh i don't know i i genuinely think this is as bad as Fire really? like i mm. yeah i i i maybe this just caught me on a bad time after listening to Gretchen. <laughs> After Greta Van Fleet had already tested my patience. There are redeeming moments on this that that doesn't have. But I, I, I think that I, I can't imagine more of a shrug response from me for a, a, a band returning after nearly a decade who I do, like, on a good day, like. Yeah, I think the thing is, I think if you ended this at like, was it? If you just destroyed this album, no. If you um, <laughs> if you ended this at like breaking these bones, I think this would be like, I think we'd be like, oh yeah. Well, I would anyway. I'd be like, this is quite a decent offspring EP. That's pretty cool. Well, um, you can make a really good four-song EP out of the two best songs from this and the Greta Van Fleet. Album. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think I was like. 
why am I? Get, I keep thinking myself. Why am I getting so worked up about now? No one's going to remember in a year's time. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. I was like, it was all these thoughts combined were just making me more annoyed almost. Yeah, the new album from The Offspring is out now. Their first record in nine years. <laughs> Enjoy, you fucking Hall of Mountain King. Next record. Here we go. We're we're the time times are changing. Things are lifting up. Uh it's you know it's not necessarily a mood lifter, but it is at least something that we can try and celebrate because today sees the release of the Paint the Sky with Blood EP by Bodum After Midnight. Um, now, like Bodum After Midnight, if you are not aware, was the band formed by Alexi Leho after Children of Bodum, the the long running melodic death metal, but really just one of a kind band that he had spearheaded since the late nineties, establishing them as one of the essential and arguably game changing bands in heavy music heading to the 21st century um they had to be dissolved around the end of 2019 i think amidst them um, quite curious circumstances of like band members leaving and then having to change the name all the rest of it uh but basically uh alexi uh, and some others formed bodum after midnight as a new project to kind of carry it on and it became something that immediately alexi and the other people around him really seemed to want to throw themselves into like to be a proper band just as they were, you know, before, uh, and unfortunately is is the case, um, is that Alexi Leho sadly passed away just a, a few months ago. Um, it's still really fresh, which makes mm. receiving this record a, a really interesting experience. Like, I don't feel like I've experienced many, um, like, posthumously released records from an artist that I, I love, like, not upon, uh, you know, kind of release during my time of being a fan of the music and not so soon after their death either so i did find this to be a a strange uh emotionally affecting listen is that is that fair to say for you as well yeah and i think as well uh that we'll get into it in a bit but there are certain bits of it which i would feel a lot differently about if 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 i knew this wasn't the final thing and obviously they didn't know it was going to be the final thing. You, well, you, you wouldn't have thought they would because the plan was to make a full record. Uh, so there are there are certain bits where I'm like, it, it just, it's, 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 yeah, it's a really odd feeling. I can't remember ever like feeling like this, have, having listened to something from, from someone who died. Interesting. I, I'll kind of pull you up on that. The other thing for me as well is obviously, as mentioned when we covered Hate Reader on the album club, I got into Bodum this year through doing the podcast, essentially. I'd never cared for them massively before. And then start this year, I've kind of I've still got a lot of catching up to do, but I've really got into particularly the early Children of Bodom records. Yeah, we did a uh, we did an album club on Hate Breeder back on our the very first reviews episode of, of this year after the uh, the news came out of Alexi's passing, and in that we spoke about them, you know, bursting onto the scene with a really one off individual sound that they struck upon, uh, and how that in turn reverberated across the direction of metal in the 21st century. Uh, myself and Alec are enormous Children of Bodom fans. Um, Alec, they're one of the bands that kind of first brought you into heavier music. Sam, as you're saying, you uh, you listened to Bodom properly really for the first time with that album club. Uh, and, you know, fair to say you enjoyed the experience. Yeah, I like um, that and Hate Crew, Death Row have been the two I've really, I've like listened to multiple times. Hate Crew, Death Row in particular, I think that album is so good. Yeah, like, classic. That, that, that is the sort of, elements of Bodom I like the best I like the most all on one album but like I have enjoyed the time I've spent with them and I feel like I'd never given them a proper chance in the past then because the stuff that was coming out when I was into heavy music was considered the lesser stuff 
Yeah, uh, you can go and listen to that Hate Breeder chat from a few months ago if you want to hear discussion on classic Bodum. Um, something that I guess we, we touched upon is their uniqueness, I believe, kind of being taken for granted in later years on their later records. Um, Alec, remind us how Bodum's last few records were kind of greeted in general and, and how you feel on them. Well, no one... Because I think the thing is, every time one of them got reviewed, apart from Relentless reckless forever uh which was uh, like that that was a bit of like a blip but uh the the couple after that it was like they've returned to their roots even though (laughs) they they didn't uh i think alexia was quoted as saying that i'd really like to know what these roots are because we 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 seem to be returning to them an awful lot um but no i think it's just being less glam on those yeah yeah. that's what people probably meant when they were writing those reviews yeah but then they got to hexed in 2019 which was their final one which is like when when people were saying they've returned to their roots, you can kind of see where they were coming from. I mean, you know, they're saying they've returned to their roots. At some point, they they they'll be right, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, some of them being praised as the comeback record. Yeah, yeah, is the, like the, the, the one that is up there with the classics. Yeah, like the the neoclassical guitar bits made a made a real return. It almost had like a kind of like really dark, murky, almost like black metal vibe to it. It was really quite dark. Yeah, I, you know, I, truthfully, I like all the Bowden records, like mm. uh, even Reckless, Relentless, whatever that one's called. I have a soft spot. It. I've got a soft spot for it. Um, but, the, you know, this is a band whose critical reputation became like a general, oh, they're past it. Uh, I, I would like to remind people again, like I said, when we spoke about Bowden before, is there's way more good Bowden material than bad. Even when they weren't making classics, most bands don't make classics forever. Like, Hexed and fucking... Um, I Worship Chaos and Halo of Blood. Those are good records. Uh, and, and Hexed, you know, particularly at the end, got uh, a better response from people. You know, kind of public opinion began to uh, improve a little bit. And that brings us to this EP from Burnham After Midnight, Paint the Sky with Blood. Uh, and it's where the story gets cut short because this is it. Like, they've been pretty clear about this being not one of those cases where there are, like, loads of yet unused tapes that they can utilise, that kind of stuff. These three tracks that we have here are the last recordings of Alexi Leho. That's it. No more. Uh, and in a way, it's kind of hard to go on because it's only three songs, one of which is a cover, like 15 minutes of music. But I, I, I guess I'll throw to you, Alec, in a minute because you were saying kind of where your feelings lie may, may have been different if the circumstances were different. From where I sit, I think this EP is fucking excellent. And like, not even in a, oh, they were always good way, like I feel about like, I don't know, like I worship chaos or something. Like... This is fucking awesome. Like, I, I don't know whether it is a general feeling, which I had, I'd started to feel on something like Hexed, of like not cutting, like, like not overthinking things and kind of feeling like any kind of pressure to be or do a certain thing and just kind of like cutting loose. Uh, the Children of Bodom split feels like it took Alexi here to a creative place of like, I am actually, you know, I hate to say it, but actually going to go back to the roots yeah. and and make like the kind of aggressive music that excited me when I was a kid because he so often came across as like a kid at heart in a really positive, glowing, exuberant, heavy metal fan kind of way. And as a result, this EP, this is absolutely on par with the best stuff that they put out in that like final decade of like Hex and Halo of Blood and stuff and arguably better. And I know that like it's only 
three tracks so there's no time for it to kind of like sag or get over familiar or whatever uh but the two new songs here genuinely hit the highest ceiling of everything that alexia had done in like the last 15 years am i overselling this alec not at all like it is a fucking glorious throwback and a glimpse at yeah uh, what what could and and should have been like because paint the sky with blood the title track that's pretty much like a a hate breeder like follow the reaper throwback and then payback's a bitch is like thug bodum like (laughs) hate 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 crew death roll are you dead yet payback's bitch i think that song is I, I like I really like the CP as well. I think again, it probably helps that I've really immersed myself in Bodum the, these last few months. But um, I mean, the first two tracks, like both of them, just do something really just exciting and exhilarating. It's got so much energy to it, and like it's a really like it's a weird one because it does just feel like this. Um, you want to imagine what this could have been if it had got to be the full project, but it's still these songs are like a really nice fitting tribute to end like his creative like legacy on these two songs at least the first two like yeah paint the sky with blood the title track that's going for like the the ripping in a fucking blizzard like when alexi opens his mouth and lets out that scream it's like the wind itself is angry at you like the and the usage of the keyboards in it as well there, there was a song on the the fintrol album last year that me and you both loved at alec um but like the, it reminds me of how playful and energetic and catchy that kind of keyboard line is mm. while totally fitting with a a colder more necro atmosphere that some of this ep has uh and then like the power on that like mid-tempo double bass groove that's in the verses that there is the fusion of like classic european metal and modern mainstream metal values that children of bodom cracked the code of where few other bands could in the 2000s like the really fucking like raucous gang of hellraisers energy and like the gang shouts of fight fight the fight, fight the fight yeah. are so good it just it pop every time it's like Punch of <laughs> yeah, that's it's, fucking Bodum. Yeah, like because like chants like that, gang vocal clips like that. That I'm always going to be a sucker for that <laughs> stuff. And so when you can just put that in over the top of this mental, like, like say heavy metal, black metal influence, dream, like yeah, like mashup of different like just metal influences, but with a big shout along hook like that, I'm all in. Yeah, and just the, again, like the, just a super twinkly bright uh keys just going against the, the those riffs like it's just only Bodum could do that properly and it's just so just, like just hearing that it's just yeah it, it, it's just so it's so lovely and like the solo like I just I fuck it I miss him I miss him so much it's like he was so good yeah like Payback's a Bitch the second track that riff like again they're the like three two one go it, it's, it's, it's the go that he starts it on and then that yeah. three two one i'm just like go on lad into like that riff is one of like you when you think of like fucking like um what is it like six pounder and yeah. those kind of uh yeah. riffs like one of the most devastating fist swingers that he's penned in fucking ages that like four four laying it or like laying into it on the crash symbol like it's whirling around in my head now it's so catchy and so hard and so vicious sounding i think this those two tracks they are way harder than like i like i listen to hex and this is way harder than what they were doing on the last album so i was like oh that that's this is 
this is the end of Bodum that I really do have to, which is why, like I said, why I'm well into hate crew death roll. <laughs> yeah, again, in that song, the kind of the classic Bodum trick of like the dueling guitars and keyboards in the solo section. Like the shred on that is fucking crazy. And, and, it, and it, you know, it, it's really fucking hungry sounding for an EP, like for the first release from a new project like of, of musicians, you know, at this point, many, many albums into their career. Uh, it does sound that bit more extreme and razor edged than uh basically anything they've done in like nearly 20 years uh the, the drums on it sound fucking huge like the snare on this could almost be from the 80s it reminds me of like dr feelgood if tommy lee was covering dissection <laughs> which is it, okay, which, feels, which feels like a crazy thing to say but like, listen to how fucking like booming and powerful that snare it, is it's that glam influence though isn't it it's that, that that's <laughs> always been but that's always been there at bodum but when you just put that with the extremity, it gives it that just that huge sound. Yeah, like it is it's unnecessarily violent, isn't it? Like on, on <laughs> you were talking about the fight gang vocals on the first track. On this one, there's like the shout of kill, like, <laughs> and then there's that bit of, like that. I think it's like around like two minutes twenty or something. There's just that that little riff that comes in for two seconds before they go into it with, with, with the full band. And it's like, he could have made such a meal of that, but he was like, no, 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 need to get to the next bit. Ugh! Like, <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's so urgent and just instant. And, and like, the, how many albums did Children of Bone have? It was like 10 or something. Like, I, think, I think Hex was number 10, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they had 10 albums under the belt, and he's just doing this, and it just sounds... Yeah, like with that vibrancy and energy that he had in like the early 2000s. Yeah, like the the two original songs on this EP are, I think it's fair to say, genuinely better than anything on like the last five of those 10 albums. That's fucking mad. And I, I like those albums a great deal. Yeah, this this is the best Bodum since Are You Dead Yet? Yeah. yeah, and then we get to um, the third track, which is the cover, uh, which is uh, where Dead Angels Lie by Dissection, as I just kind of referenced. Um, yeah, and in terms of like Bodum cover versions, which there are many, they are a band who churned out a whole lot of covers ranging from like serious influence, like I think this is, to like, again... They like the novelty pop covers. Yeah, no- novelty pop covers, which are fun and hilarious. Uh, and when it comes to this Dissection cover, um, I mean, you know, in terms of Dissection, you know, we, we had to reference the the shitty side of their legacy a bit last week but this song by dissection is in my personal pool of the best heavy metal songs ever written like it is one of the defining great extreme metal songs of its era and where bodem come in is it feels like such an inspired choice because it's a song that balances the pure like cold as fuck evil of black metal with a total joy and warmth and release with that guitar line that just fucking sings in the chorus after the, the a spell was cast and the sky turned red the angel's heart froze to ice bit and the dun in it like it's letting the black metal influence of bodum seep in but in a way that fits emotionally with the kind of like burst of happiness again like Alec, you were saying about that kind of like that twinkling glee that you hear on something like the first track on this ep like it's a total through line there the support from the keys and stuff like that and it sounds like the love of a a passionate enthusiastic heavy metal fan that alexi was being poured into it uh and you know this song now i'm i'm not just going to think about it as like 
one of the best songs from one of the best records i'm also going to think about it as like the last release song by heavy metal icon alexi leho and how fucking sick he was like alec like this cover is awesome it is, but I think the thing is about this, right? So, like, I feel a bit about dissection how I feel about, like, Michael Jackson. Like, I feel like I can listen to it in the comfort of my own home because they are dead. Um, but um, I, I, like, I like Storm of the Lights, Bane by Dissection is great, uh, obviously. Uh, this cover is it's fairly faithful to, to the original. It, it, as you said, it really captures those melodic leanings. Uh, you know, that that mixture of of black metal and and death metal in in which this is like a masterclass and that really comes out in in Bodum and they, they add um you know the the kind of like choirish keys in in the background the quite subtle and, and creepy is a nice touch but honestly I I, th- I think the thing is because that this EP which is so like those two original Bodum songs I I love and this is just like a little bit of a different version of, of a song I already know. Like I would have like, if this EP ended on like a Billie Eilish cover or something, like <laughs> I would, I would have loved that. And I know it's circumstantial because this was supposed to be like a, a, a teaser, a taste. Yeah. In no way was this intended. Mm. Yeah. To be yeah. Final no, song. but th- that's what I mean about how, how I feel about it. It, it. It's, it's completely based on the circumstances just because this is the last bit of music that I hear from alexi and i'm i don't know uh it's 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 a great song but i i just think part of it is just because of that just the whole like dissection thing i I still feel a bit like like uh, yeah yeah that's fair for for, for me it like it it is a faithful cover but i think what i was saying in terms of being an inspired choice absolutely it is it's a song that they can play faithfully and still have it sound like bodum because of the shared links and when they again when they bring the keys in and stuff like that it sounds like Bodum inflected. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. First time I listened to it, I didn't know it was a cover. Maybe it's because I've never listened to Dissection before. Yeah, I, but, that's uh, it. That's an entirely fair thing to, to to have. I think it just sounded like Bodum going for that kind of slower, more dramatic, yeah, heavy metal but evil sort of thing. And I was, I was, I was cool. And then, I, then I kind of clocked. I was like, oh, okay, so it's a cover. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I think it's good. I think what they do with it is good. I just was my feeling at the end of this was just kind of a weird one because I was just like, ah, oh, this would have been such a great taster for what could have been a really cool album, and it's, it, it is it is devastating that it was cut short, and that Alexi is a massive loss to metal. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to this, uh, you know, us reviewing this EP, um, it, it, you, know, you never want to say anything bad about a record. Like like ultimately, you want to like every record you press play on, but certainly like a posthumous release if you listen to it and it's shit then you're not going to feel good about coming on <laughs> no, and, and saying as such um and, and it would it would be really easy for us to like come on and just be like yeah it's good it's really sad that we lost alexi and, and kind of be clouded by that sense of like loss and sadness when it comes to the quality of this what actually is happening is this is brilliant like yeah. this is the best Bowden material in fucking ages uh and, and on one hand i am really fucking stoked about that in the sense that like I'm really glad that the the last offering that we get, got from someone who, in their own way, was a fucking metal visionary, is as fucking hype as this material is. Uh, and on the other hand, it is, of course, like, you know, wish we had more than two original songs and a cover. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just... I think as well, part of it as well is, like, those first two songs are so upbeat 
and then the cover it's it's a bit more like brooding and, and it, it's a bit more like moody so then yeah, for like, me it's though those major key like guitar leads in the chorus are so blissful yeah You've probably got to be a fucking necro weirdo to think that <laughs> so i understand yeah, i think it, it just it, it like it by the time i finish listening to it it's like oh yeah he's dead like it's just it's it's so like it makes me feel really sad when it yeah. finishes like it's just like yeah I, I i'm still fucking i'm still well cut up about this like is it yeah it yeah what what a man what what a talent like what what a loss to to metal and just really really underappreciated in like pretty much like the last decade of his career yeah and i think it, it's a varied ep certainly like each of the three songs has a feel to it so like has that going for it um i think yeah it, it's in a way it's nothing you haven't heard before if you know bodum but there's never been anyone else to sound like it either and you're never going to hear it again so fucking listen to it mm. yeah bodum after midnight the ep is called paint the sky with blood and it is out now final record comes from the armed and it is called ultra pop now we might have left this until last but this is likely the most interesting album to talk about this week um and i hope its placement at the end here you know without an album club means that it is the lasting taste that you get from this podcast i guess and encourages you to just go and put it on when you finish with this context on the armed uh a very small amount of people are fucking obsessed with this band like they are not a big band they're not even particularly like everywhere when it comes to like the heavy music landscape but a handful of people talk about it like they are firmly established as the best band in the world is that fair to say yeah uh, yeah. people who like this band think they are just one of the greatest like contributors to alternative music right now yeah i i got into them on the untitled album because um hugh platt who used to do the brilliant thrash hits um site like he just wrote about them like they were like the best band ever so i should probably check him out um and yeah like the people who love them love them it is ridiculous like the devotion that they kind of command they're also a heavier band who are trendy in the sort of like the the music journalists sort of trendsetters if they know what they want about they will be telling you to listen to the armed yeah i mean i like this record came out last week as is most of the records we're talking about today and i had people like commenting on our things being like where's the armed review where's the armed? It's like Fuck it, we're getting to it it was a busy week uh and you know um i think there's also, there's a lot of peripheral stuff going on with the arms yeah <laughs> kept them in in conversation as much as what they actually sound like like you know the the frank turner frank carter debacle (laughs) springs to mind as one of the more gleefully mischievous stories to come from rock music in the recent years but there's all sorts of you know marketing gimmicks and all sorts they've had a an uh, anonymity about them for a long time uh you know many many collective yeah many many rumors that kurt baloo is basically the fucking you know mastermind of the entire operation or he could just be their producer no one really knows um i have viewed the armed with curiosity i liked bits of their last album uh only love i think that was called from 2018 uh without ever really like nailing my colors to the mast as like armed fucking hardcore fans uh you know not armed hardcore fans hardcore fans of the armed uh tend to do uh so that's me with the armed is that fair is that what kind of where do you sit with what's your relationship like with the armed I got into them on Only Love and I liked that album, but I didn't go crazy for it right away because it's just, it's a lot to take in. The arm, they're, they're not an yeah. easy band. They are not <laughs> an easy band to get on board with. Um, and now with the Lewis album, album Ultra Pop, that has changed for me. 
Right, interesting. Alec, um, same question, I guess, in terms of like, what's your relationship been like with The Armed? Uh, well, I, I love the untitled one. Uh, it's just a bit more, like I guess, straight up, um, kind of like horrible, choking, emotional, mental, mathy, hardcore, which doesn't sound straight up when you say it. That's stupid. Um, but yeah. It's their most straight ahead record. It yeah. is fair to say that. Yeah, but like, I love that. Uh, only love, I could never get into it. Um, I tried with it for ages just because I liked the Untitled one so much, but um, there was just something about it that didn't click for me, and everyone was going mad about it, and I felt like I was just kind of, yeah, like just looking outside the, the fishbowl. Yeah, they, they are certainly, you know, again, talking about the kind of the, the people who really champion them, um, it, it's often like, you know, kind of fringe, cool communities rather than like the centralized, like, you know, rock sphere uh, and i'm not saying that as as a either a bonus or a negative it's just about the fringe nature of where this band have sat uh yeah. ultra pop i think is the album where they are going to become a little more entrenched in people's consciousness because they've been they've been you know in terms of the actual music which is the thing that's kind of been uh i guess least spoken about with the armed up to this point because there's so much extra shit um you come across this and you ha- just have to stop and spend <laughs> a bit of time to kind of go what is this because it's fucking hard to describe like i can imagine you know so many people just whether they actually like it or not finding this like fascinating and just trying to spend time trying to decipher it it, it, it's overwhelming um i mean have a crack how would you describe this uh hardcore meets indie meets pop meets black metal meets noise meets all kinds of stuff they're like you can all pick out once. you can pick out all the genres that are on this album sure but they are happening all at the same time all the time essentially and it's there's nothing i can't think i've listened to anything like this for a good like possibly ever but for a long time <laughs> now it's so antagonistic isn't it because as you're reeling off all of those genres and stuff like there's so many moments on here like really like some really smooth poppy vocals or really like catchy like indie bits but it's nice just blissful synth lines and yeah yeah really, but like twinkling like synths that are really pretty but there's and then just... there's just like scuzzy bass and like guitars just underpinning it all and the vocals <laughs> there's just so much gain on the vocals and guitars it's so dense it's like someone's squeezing your head it's just like it is a thing of like they don't want you to come in but you're knocking on the door and they just keep like yeah they they just got their shoulder against the door and you're just banging trying to get in like yeah opening the door and then slamming it in your face again over <laughs> and over and over again yeah it is like it it's hard work um, I mean that, that's to put it quite quite simply, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean I fuck I love this. Um, I think this is incredible. Yeah, I I think that I mean it's certainly this is as close as maybe any album that would come under this the kind of sphere of things that we cover will come to being genuinely uncategorizable. Like it's <laughs> it's from the world of hardcore, and it has uh, you know some of that approach to it. Uh, of you know kind of the most ruleless you know dillinger escape plan kind of variety but like really hmm like <laughs> fuck it i mean from the get-go like ultra pop the first track on it it starts like you're floating like it's all pretty harmonized vocals and those kind of twinkling keys you're talking about sam with this like deep thrumming electronic drum Bass, pulse like yeah and, yeah and then suddenly like 
really abrasive like feedback and kind of mangling of it and it's weird it kind of it's kind of got a patience to it beyond just like you know throwing shit everywhere but like they kind of can be you know can do it sometimes uh while still not letting you sit comfortably and there's a kind of like detail and attention in the specifics i guess a bit beyond what the general principle has been i think it definitely feels like here they've really realized what the what the arm has always kind of been in their heads as like a sonic entity yeah yeah and it's just that that thing like that that uh opening song that's a title trap right isn't it ultra pop yeah yeah like if it weren't for those horrid like squeals and the feedback and stuff <laughs> that could be on like one of those like chilled out spotify playlists or something but it's just again it's just that thing of like they're keeping you at arm's length on purpose like and then it goes from that into all futures with just that stop start almost like dillinger-ish thing and then it's got that like casio like keyboard melody and the yeah 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 bit which should sound so massive but it's just like purposefully (laughs) strangled by by like the mix and and where it's buried like it's stupid Bits that sound like you know we talked about like the Citizen album. I'm working as that indie disco thing. There's bits on this that sound like it could be that, yeah. but it's that being having the shit kicked out of it by a bunch of like pissed off punks. Like, yeah, I don't even know how to describe the sonic palette of something like All Futures. Like, it's up tempo, it's aggressive, it's punkish, it's fuzzy, but it's, <laughs> but it's kind of like I think in general like, it's kind of like muddy and blurry. Like you're looking at it through like a haze, uh, and I think it's, it's almost got more synths than guitars, seemingly. With the poppiness of the hook, like you know the, the whoa 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 kind of like you know backing voice that starts off uh, this this album, it's got it's like the principle for every song is there are fuckloads of tiny little quite simple motifs and hooks and stuff every second, all or like all piled on top of each other in a fucking daze. Like again, simple little ideas like that little guitar line that's on the on the bridge of all futures, uh, but colliding in this just insane mix of you know hardcore metal electronica and and in some ways pop but Mm. whenever you hear a slight little influence of pop it is fucking like decimated (laughs) by by everything around it yeah it seems like i'm like masunga vapors the way the guitars and the synths just dance all over that track yeah like borderline math core yeah just never settling and then you've just got like and it's over like almost like black metal blast beats yeah. like that. It just, it's, there's so much happening at all times. It never, ever settles down, but it, it never gets too like suffocate. Like, I don't know. It is, but I, I've never found myself being too pushed away. So it's enticing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, even, if, even when it's pushing you away, it's pulling you in at the same time. Right. It, 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 yeah. It, it's like, a with, with those like pop bits and stuff, it's like a really, really fucking extreme, noisy sugar rush. Like, mm. like, like fucking like if Andrew WK wrote Association. Like it, that 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 song <laughs> you just mentioned, Sam. It is. It's like those uh, really fucking like often really bright and happy like major key guitar lines and stuff that are yeah. in like, again the black metal kind of sphere of what it's doing. Um, really thrilling in terms of like where the drums and blasts are coming from. But it's it's really really kind of pretty but at the same time nothing else is allowing it to be pretty i think you know an, an iteration um kind of flips between that and that kind of like indie dance thing that you're talking about sam with yeah. like you know it's like that's like the citizen album like filtered through a fucking just html and a brass section put on the end for good measure like 
the, this album is so overwhelming. It, it's got an almost, um, you know, we were talking recently when we were uh, reviewing Godspeed You Black Emperor, and we were talking about them and bands like Swans, who, uh, you know, just kind of bring you to mind because we've done them recently, of, of feeling not like a conventional rock band setup but having so many individuals all with a very strange specific role of like you are the person who presses this bell at this one time and, it, and it's like you are, you are just this mass of, of individuals doing strange things like that as a I collective than a band this album they had so many i don't know the exact number but i've had those like loads of musicians yeah all kind of coming in and doing different bits on this and because like, there is like the armed kind of the main unit of the armed. I guess they are the ones that play the live shows and stuff. But I know that there's they had so many other people just coming in to do specific parts to just complete the sound. Yeah, like um, a life so wonderful. You can feel Ben Collar drumming on that. Yes, like you can. he, he yeah. is one of a billion musicians credited as doing something on a track of this record but that is just again like one moment where if you are you know uh, a converge fan which you should be uh you can just you can hear that ben collar approach on the drums on that one track uh and then obviously like it's fucking like mark lanagan doing you know doom saying slide down into the abyss on the last track but those are like the most prominent guest spots if you will that you would actually notice most of the time you know like people aren't credited or whatever because it's got that kind of anonymous side apart to from it. mark lanagan <laughs> yeah apart from mark lanagan um but then they couldn't hide him anyway but uh, yeah. like, it, it's a, 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 a fucking blur yeah it, it's um it's like big shell is the track for me that is that that song is so just overwhelming with the percussion and the guitars <laughs> on that 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 song feels like you are being like drowned beneath. Yeah, big low end noise rock. Yeah, I think that song's incredible. That uh, when that came out, that was the sort of moment where I was like, I'm really getting into this, even if it is horribly antagonistic. Um, I'm all about bad selection, like that that kind of <laughs> off kilter drum beat, the synths, the slightly processed vocals. Like it's it's nine inch nails that that intro, and yeah. then that that clean vocal of that uh, something dimly lights the way violent faith in better days hallelujah everybody knows that i am great like they're so catchy and like radio ready almost um like <laughs> if it wasn't being again well yeah then the massive glitchy bit with all the other stuff all over it. yeah, yeah if, and that... you, if you strain to isolate uh, to isolate one element of a song with a billion elements that bit is radio ready. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because <laughs> then it goes it. with that abrasive digital hardcore blasting. But like, again, like I think if, if someone heard that, like that, yeah, that's the most like accessible thing they've probably ever done like, to what I can remember. And it in no way represents what they do because nothing does really. Um, as in you, like there's so many little bits on this, you know, like, average death like the end of that like that super punk drumming towards the end but it's just hidden under everything it sounds like gallows being like drowned or like again like you mentioned a life so wonderful like the vocals on that it's like the distillers or something um <laughs> it's just fucking mental uh yeah i i as a fan of extreme music I find it really fascinating to listen to and to try and you know to try and keep up with it to try and run through it all to get to grips and unpack it. Uh, I can equally see like something like the production job being a fucking annoyance for like <laughs> most people in regards to um, it's a really novel sound. It's you know it's a really new and fresh sound just purely sonically like in your headphones how it is kind of mixed and put together. Uh, but I also think 
you know, there may be an argument of is erecting this barrier between the listener and the kind of, you know, uh, the devastating weight and shredding of heavy music. Because, like, the guitars are fucking mush on this. Like, you can't make out riffs half the time. Um, is that the most emotionally pleasing move and that's something which like again for all of their bat shittery uh code orange for example who are one of the only bands comparable in terms of am- ambition uh, yeah <laughs> um and arguably the the armed like there's more going on here but the difference code is, orange think, one of right songs that can be massive as well yeah. as being mental it's not even just being massive but it's having that kind of hit you in the chest thing of heavy music where yeah. they've never sacrificed that whereas uh this is so it's so weird and it has it, it's kind of it has the danger in like the unpredictability and the manic energy of it but it's so fucking like blown out and i wonder if this is more of an intellectual exercise than an emotional one like if i was being incredibly cruel with the kind of the, the you know prefacing essay that they've put out alongside this record and everything trying to explain what it is i'd say it rings my pretentious alarm just a little i i, I get that and i i think it's fair to say it does a little bit but it's also just brilliant. Like, <laughs> I also think they're on the wind up a little bit. Like, I, I... well, they are. Like, you look at that the 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 artwork and all the promotional stuff. They they are clearly borrowing from like the least punk and metal aesthetics possible on that front. And I think you've got to remember as well that like when they play live, there is a man dressed as like a bush or something, isn't there? Like, it's just like, I I think it it just is that thing of like, come on, try and like it. Go on, I dare you. Yeah, like that's why I feel. I feel like they're egging me on. I, I, I guess the thing with me is I feel about this how Perrin you feel about all of those black metal albums that like, <laughs> the, the, like this is my music taste pushed to the absolute extremity of like what it can be when it comes to like punk and hardcore, and that's why I think this is just absolutely incredible because it is where I live, just taken to its most fucked up extreme. Yeah, and I can certainly appreciate that thrill. And it is a thrill because I, I love the sounds on this too. It's just, again, that kind of... Um, it feels like this band is a vessel for a philosophy of being purely creative and trying to forge a new kind of ground. And that is valuable and that's important. It's, it's everything Greta Van Fleet isn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's hilarious that um, you know last night I listened to the most regressive and the most futuristic albums that we're talking about today back to back and it was a head fuck. Um, but like... Certainly, like throwing a down, you know, throwing down essentially some kind of gauntlet to people in hardcore and, you know, I guess, you know, kind of heavy music communities at large to kind of be like, listen to this uh, and kind of ponder how really, you know, kind of with on the cutting edge of like, you know, extremity and that kind of thing are you when you are listening to the same old safe stuff. And I think that's valuable. And this is, uh, to me, it comes across more like revolution and sonic advancement and experimentation for kind of the sake of creating more than a truly great record in an emotional sense i like it and i admire it but i'm not sure it's got quite the kind of again coherent release for me to love it in that sense it reminds me very much of liturgy in that regard like liturgy have been getting that effect out of people in the world of post-black metal for a decade do i find them fascinating to listen to yes do I find them as genuinely powerful as many other things that are less intent on being obtuse and new and a deconstruction of how we have become accustomed to heavy music? No, not really. Uh, but it is absolutely a wild fucking listen that you should all undertake. 
Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. And that that liturgy point is like bang on. But uh, this has just got better songs. Like uh, in terms of like actual like chorus, like choruses and catchy bits. Like I think they're the bits that are like because I love like weird stuff and heavy, horrible, nasty, abrasive stuff. But there's just too many like little bits that keep getting me and like different bits that get me every time that I that I listen to this. That I just I can't. I can't peel myself away from it. I think that's that's the sticking point for me, that just like new bits just pop up every time and they're all catchy and they're all like just intriguing. And I can't remember a, an album that has kind of done that for me in like recent... Well, that, that's, a bad, that's a bad phrase because then I was like, oh, underneath, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I feel similarly to this, to like underneath pretty much. Yeah, all right, that's where we leave this week. Go listen to The Armed. Uh, we had to clear all of these albums off the schedule, essentially, before next week, which is equally as fucking mental as this last week has been. We'll see what we pick from the you know the many contenders to support it, but you know that next week sees the arrival of the new Gajira record. Big tings. See you there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.